0: Okay, yesterday, before the shooting took place in Oxford, I had a chance to catch up with U.S. Senator Gary Peters. It is now up to U.S. Senate Democrats to determine the fate of President Joe Biden's signature social spending legislation. The U.S. House passed the massive Build Back Better package earlier this month, and that would make some of the boldest investments in what Democrats are calling human infrastructure universal pre-K, expanded child care, health care, climate change mitigation, and many more things. But there's some skepticism about the future of this legislation in the Senate. Last week on the show, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib said that by decoupling the package from the infrastructure bill, supporters had lost their leverage and that the bill and its impact are now what she says is in jeopardy. I asked Senator Peters yesterday about what he thought of that assessment and many more things. Here's that conversation. Senator Peters, welcome back to Detroit Today.
1: Well, Steve, it's always a pleasure to be with you. Yes,
0: great to have you here. So let's start here with what uh, Congresswoman Tlaib said to us last week on our show. She has concerns that Bill Better is in jeopardy, or at least its overall impact is in jeopardy and what she means by that is that in order to pass she thinks they'll have to gut all of the really significant investments that uh, the bill originally contained what what's your take on all of that
1: we'll see how this process uh, plays out but I'm but I'm confident that uh, it will pass uh, it'll uh, uh, hopefully we'll be able to get it on the floor in the next uh, couple of weeks and certainly there's a A strong sentiment among my colleagues uh, that we get this done uh, before Christmas. So uh, we're just working through the process, parliamentary process right now. But bottom line, uh, it's important that we get this passed. Uh, These, these, as you've mentioned in the opening here, these are critical uh, investments, uh, also ways to lower costs for families uh, across the the country. Uh, This is uh, a major piece of legislation that will impact families in a meaningful way. We want to get it done.
0: So the sticking point or at least one of the sticking points in this legislation seems to be the paid leave provision of the bill. Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, who is, of course, a very critical vote for Democrats, says he's just not on board with that, even though it's already been scaled back to just four weeks. Uh, It sounds like the expectation now is that paid leave may not be included in the final bill. Is that something you're willing to accept?
1: Well, I, I think uh, the, the bill will look different uh, when it comes out of the Senate, and, and that would have been the case regardless of what happened with uh, the bipartisan uh, legislation. To me, that, that was separate. It was critically important that that got passed. It's uh, significant investments uh, in roads and bridges uh, in Michigan and in high-speed uh, Internet. It was investments in our port facilities, uh, investments uh, in electric uh, charging infrastructure, which is critical for the electrification of the fleet. That was a, an incredibly important bill that needed to get passed. It did. Uh, but the bill Back Better was, uh, when it goes through the Senate, It certainly would go through its uh, negotiations uh, just like bills get when they go through the House. And we're a different body, and we have different dynamics, uh, but bottom line, what we need to do is uh, understand that we should celebrate what comes out uh, of the Senate, which I think will have a meaningful impact in people's lives.
0: So can you talk just a little more about these tensions among Democrats in the in the Senate, the, the, the push and pull, I guess, of the more liberal members of, of the caucus and the centrist or more conservative elements of the Democratic Party, Senator Joe Manchin, uh, Senator Sinema from Arizona. We've heard a lot about why it's impossible to just get everything done because there are differing opinions. I wonder how you feel about that kind of, I guess, compromise and whether whether people who voted for Democrats in such large numbers – in 2020 should be satisfied with uh, this process. Why shouldn't Democrats say, why can't we get everything that we thought we were going to get when we elected a Democratic president and gave Democrats control of the entire Congress?
1: Well, uh, certainly uh, uh, every every uh, senator uh, represents uh, their state, uh, and they represent uh, the views uh, from their state. And so, Folks who, who vote for, for a particular senator in that state uh, certainly have certain expectations uh, from that senator, but we should, should understand that we have 50 states uh, in this uh, great country of ours, and there's a broad, broad uh, band of views that people have uh, in those uh, various states. And so the, just part of the democratic process is that there's compromise and, and give and take. It's a uh, part of the art of governing. And, and I guess I would say nobody ever in, in my, my, my time here in Washington, D.C., nobody ever gets everything that they want. Uh, and that seems to be that way in life. We all don't get everything we want in life uh, as well. We have to compromise. Uh, we have to find common ground. Uh, but ultimately, we've got to get things done. And that's what's going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm talking with uh, U.S. Senator Gary Peters, a Democrat from here in Michigan. We're talking about the Build Back Better legislation, which is being debated in the U.S. Senate right now. Uh, Gary, I also want to talk about the infrastructure bill, which was signed into law earlier this month. Uh, Talk about the important impact that you feel like that will have here in Michigan.
1: Well, it's uh, going to have significant uh, impact uh, for for Michigan uh, you know, billions of dollars available to fix our roads uh, which we know uh, are continuing to fall in uh, disrepair and this will be a, a major shot in the arm in terms of uh, resources uh, to put into roads uh, and bridges also to connect everybody to high-speed broadband internet uh, particularly in our rural areas and we saw the, the, the uh, challenges of not everyone being on high-speed internet uh, in very stark terms uh, during the as we've been suffering through this uh, pandemic and more of our activity has gone online, there are, are great uh, a gulf between folks who have those services and folks uh, who don't. Uh, that will be uh, will be plugged uh, in, a, in addition to the fact that uh, we'll be dealing with resiliency and climate change. you know, I was able to get a provision in that bipartisan infrastructure bill. It was my Storm Act. Uh, I, I passed the Storm Act authorization uh, uh, earlier in the year that would provide uh, very low interest loans to communities to build their infrastructure uh, in a way that's more resilient to storms uh, that are rising as a result of climate change. We know we're seeing uh, storms increase in frequency and more importantly and more dangerously, uh, they are uh, also more severe. Uh, and as a result of that, uh, much of our infrastructure isn't designed to handle that. And it's very expensive uh, to fix that. We've seen the impact of flooding throughout Metro Detroit area as a result of infrastructure that's not designed to handle the severity of some of the storms that we're seeing. Uh, and now in this uh, infrastructure bill that's passed on into law, additional uh, 500 million dollars will be available for communities uh, to uh, invest in that resiliency, and it's just plain good common sense. So we know that every dollar you invest up front in making your infrastructure more resilient to storms you end up saving $6 in taxpayer money because it's a whole lot more expensive to pick up the pieces after a storm than it is to, to build it strong uh, from the outset. Uh, that's going to be a significant advantage uh, for us in Michigan as around the country, and I hope to continue to get funding for that program in the years ahead. But mm-hmm. I think we'll see the results of those certainly uh, yeah, in the coming years.
0: Yeah. So uh, I want to change subjects just a little here and talk about a roundtable table You held this week with U.S. Secretary of Commerce Gina Raimondo, as well as Senator Stabenow from here in Michigan, Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, and UAW President Ray Curry and others to discuss the ongoing semiconductor chip shortage. Of course, this is causing all kinds of supply chain uh, issues here in in our country and and around the world. Uh, Secretary Raimondo is calling on Congress to approve $52 billion to boost domestic production of these semiconductors how has that idea been received on capitol hill
1: well we we passed it out of uh, the senate it's part of a competitiveness bill that we passed here earlier uh, which is uh, 52 billion dollars to uh, promote uh, the manufacture of semiconductors here in the country Uh, 50 billion of that uh, is to make sure we have uh, fabrication facilities building the next generation of semiconductors uh, as we move uh, into artificial intelligence and a lot of other advanced applications uh, for chips. Uh, but I was able to secure an additional uh, $2 billion for legacy chips. These are older chips, but these are older chips that are in our automobiles uh, and uh, in our washing machines and everyday products. And certainly we are feeling the impact of the fact that we are overly dependent on these legacy chips from places like Taiwan and South Korea and increasingly from China. Uh, as uh, because a result of uh, uh, those shortages, uh, our automobiles are sitting on uh, in parking lots, fully built, but waiting for a semiconductor chip before they can go to the dealer. It's having a major impact on production and jobs uh, in our in our state, and it's clear we have to onshore that manufacturing. And this uh, legislation is critically important to get passed. It's in the House right now. It's passed the Senate. Uh, certainly, my House colleagues that were at the roundtable. Yesterday, we're fully supportive of it, but uh, we've got to get the House to pass that out. Right now, I understand that uh, Leader Schumer and Speaker Pelosi are negotiating a package that will hopefully be before us uh, soon so we can get it passed.
0: Hmm. Okay, I also can't uh, let you go without talking about the latest in the pandemic. Lots of people are really concerned about the spread of the Omicron variant of the coronavirus. Uh, what is the federal response going to look like? What should it look like? And I guess, do you think we're we're doing enough?
1: Well, we we have to be all in on this. It's very uh, concerning. But I, I just have to say at the at the outset, uh, the one thing that uh, should be first in everybody's mind is get vaccinated. Uh, the, this is what happens when folks are not vaccinated uh, it allows uh, the virus uh, to uh, mutate uh, at an accelerated rate that's just part of the biology of these things uh, and so vaccinations are important and if we have uh, if we have a strain and we still we still don't know a whole lot about it right now but it's very concerning that it could be uh, more easily transmutable as well as it could be more uh, uh, could be more severe in terms of getting around some of our preparations we don't know but but in the meantime uh, folks need to, to get vaccinated. And as we learn more about uh, uh, this particular virus, uh, can then uh, uh, prepare for it. I, I know our pharmaceutical company, especially with this new technology, they are, our mRNA technology, it is very adaptable. So it uh, is certainly conceivable if uh, vaccines are, 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 less, uh, uh, are less effective. We don't know. They, they may still be fully effective. But if they're less uh, effective, Uh, new variations of that vaccine can be produced uh, relatively quickly, certainly much quicker than the the initial vaccine uh, in coming out. So, uh, But we have to wait and see. I think it's important for us to uh, continue to take the precautions that we all take between vaccines and masks, but uh, watch uh, this closely. And and I know uh, certainly our folks at CDC and others are are working to try to get more information about this virus as quickly as possible to understand exactly what we're dealing with. Mm.
0: Okay, Senator Gary Peters, a Democrat from here in Michigan. Always great to catch up with you here on Detroit Today. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Great to be with you, Stephen. Have a great day. You too.
0: That was my conversation yesterday with U.S. Senator Gary Peters. As a reminder, he and I spoke before the school shootings in Oxford. I'm sure he has many thoughts about that that I was not able to capture because uh, it had not yet happened when we had the interview okay we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to hear from a university of michigan infectious disease expert about the new omicron variant what we know what we don't know and what we should be preparing for we'll be right back with more detroit today